What's up, guys? There's a great quote that happiness doesn't make us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us happy. That's the theme of today's show with H.J. Jacobs, uh, author, lecturer, um, human guinea pig. This is a great one. It's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you rethink things before you know the holidays, Thanksgiving. It's a great episode. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Momentum Podcast. This is your host, Tom Alamo, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at Tommy Tahoe. You can find more about the show notes, the blog, videos on millennialmomentum.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a millennial personal development podcast, and the whole focus is that I want to get to certain places in my life. I'm an ambitious guy, and I think if you're listening to this, you probably are too. And I think in order to get to the next level, you need three things. You need a great attitude, you need a dogged, really hard work ethic, and you need just a little bit of momentum, which is forward motion with energy. So I'm hoping that this show, everything I do, can be that spark of momentum for you. It can be it for me. And you know, I'm no expert. I don't know any of the facts. I don't know the secrets, but I'm, I'm on the journey to learn it. And I appreciate you joining me, sharing, building this community up from the ground. So if you find value here, please take a second, wherever you're listening, leave a quick review, hit subscribe, share it with a friend. All of that means more than you could really ever think. It, it helps to spread this message and I want to impact as many people as possible. Today's show is is a good one. Uh, you heard me talk a little bit about gratitude in the teaser. Um, it's a powerful emotion, gratitude. And I, I talked about this when I went to the Tony Robbins show about six months ago. And that was one of my key takeaways was not faking gratitude. You know, not just saying, yeah, I'm grateful for my mom or my girlfriend or water. You know, it's it's really taking the moment and meditating on it and thinking about it for a few minutes and say, man, shit, man, I live in California in the United States in an apartment. I have a roof above my head. I'm drinking clean water. All of these, these things that we take for granted on a daily basis. And just think about that and think about what it takes and, um, you know, we, we get into the, the conversation with A.J. Jacobs, and I'll, I'll tell you a little, bit about more him, a little bit more about him in a second, but we talk about how many things have to go right and how often we focus on what goes wrong. You know, how often does someone ask you, you know, how are you doing? And you say, I'm all right, I didn't sleep that well last night. You know, my meal wasn't that great this morning. I... You know, like the my significant others complaining, the job's tough. How many things had to go right today? You know, you, the elevator you took up to your office didn't crash and you didn't break your arm. You didn't get in a car crash on the way to work. You woke up this morning. Um, you know, you're you're likely not deathly ill. Um, you know, all of these millions and millions of things have to go right for that one thing to go wrong. And it's what we focus on that that magnifies. So, um, you know, the, the guest today is A.J. Jacobs. He is an author, journalist, lecturer, truly a human guinea pig. Um, and he's very similar to Tim Ferriss in this style. And you know I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim. A.J. was actually just on Tim's show as well. Um, and A.J. has written four New York Times bestsellers, and he has a new book out called Thanks a Thousand. So Jacobs, he, he takes it a step further. He always does that as a human guinea pig. And 
you know, he, he realized gratitude was a very important thing, and he decides to thank 1,000 people that made his morning cup of coffee a reality. So going from the barista to the people that grew the crops to the person that um, you know operates the machine that creates the cup, the inventor of the lid of the cup, the sleeve that makes it so your hand doesn't burn, a thousand people, phone, uh, he writes some handwritten letters and even goes to Columbia to do it. We talk about the book and we really just talk about gratitude and how powerful it is and how it's affected his life. And I share a little bit from me as well. And um, you know, I think it's a perfect segue into Thanksgiving next week that as a time where you're feeling grateful and thankful and you're with family. Take a moment to recognize how, how grateful you are. Um, tell someone, you know, write someone a handwritten thank you. Give someone a hug. Uh, and so I hope this message resonates with you. I know it resonated with me. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with AJ Jacobs. All right, AJ Jacobs, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Great to be here. Yeah. Excited to uh, talk to you about your uh, recent journey, talk about gratitude, but I want to start with a little background on you um, because you're such a fascinating guy and <laughs> right back at you, Tom. You're fascinating too. Th- thank you. I appreciate that. It, you're seen as kind of a, a human guinea pig, so to speak, where you really you don't just do experiments like a normal level. You go really deep, like whether it's living um, and, and living by the Bible for a year, or you know, you've done experiments with your mind and with your body as well. So maybe take me back to why you decided to uh, embody a human guinea pig as, as part of your career. Yeah, well, I, um, I need, I, I love the idea of self-improvement and I need a lot of improvement. Definitely. I am a fixer upper in every respect, mind, body, soul. So I thought one way to approach it would be to dive in and really immerse myself in my topics, whether it's trying to be the healthiest person alive or actually your listeners might know, uh, I get the feeling you have a big crossover with the Tim Ferriss uh, crap. So uh, a long time ago, like 12 years ago now, I wrote a piece for Esquire magazine where I outsourced my life. I hired a team of people in Bangalore, India to do everything for me. So they um, answered my phones and responded to my emails, to emails for me. They, uh, they read bedtime stories to my kids and fought with my wife. It was fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and I got a call out of the blue, this first-time writer who, who said he was writing a book. Um, and could he print my article as part of his book? And it turned out to be Tim Ferriss. And so he outsourced the writing of one of his chapters to me. He, he reprinted my article. So some of your listeners might have seen that in the four-hour work week. That's hilarious. And the funny thing is he called, like, uh, he said, I'm a first-time writer. And the book at that time was called Drug Dealing for Fun and Profit because he had a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm not going to be a jerk and ask him to give me money. He's like going to sell 25 copies. And then like a year later, he calls me. I'm like, and he's like, I'm number one on Amazon. I was like, what? Where did that come from? But it certainly speaks to his brilliance as a marketer that as a first time author, he could sell millions of copies. Um, but in the end, 
it helped me, you know, I, even though I didn't earn direct money, it, it widened my audience. Uh, so a lot of people know me from that. Yeah. And, and you guys are, are cut from a similar cloth in, the, in terms of the experiments. I, I mean, you do different things, but you're both kind of known for taking it to the next level and uh, you know, taking it to the extreme. And you mentioned like self-improvement, like I'm focused on self-improvement too. And, you know, I might try drinking, you know, eating more vegetables or I might try, (laughs) you know, reading every day or something like pretty basic or like when we're talking gratitude, like write three things down in the morning. Um, But you take it to such another level. Like, is that just an idea that you you said, hey, this would be fun to do, uh, you know, 12 years ago, outsource my entire life? Or is it more so, um, hey, I need to cut through the noise with, all these other writers, and this would be an interesting idea, and you know, hopefully it'll get me published and, and things like that. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, first of all, I love it. It is a you know an incredibly fun job, but I think what you said is right. I felt that I had to cut through the clutter because um, if you know, when you take things to the extreme like I do, then it's immediately grabby. Um, you know, people. So instead of just trying to be a little healthier, why not try to be the healthiest person alive, which is what I did for one of my books. So I, uh, you know, I tried every diet, every workout routine and changed the way I, I uh, walked, changed the way I went to the bathroom. You know, it was, uh, which I can go into detail if you want. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, but yeah, that's the way I feel. And then from that, taking it to the extreme, you do the takeaways that actually work. So, so uh, you know, I'm not, I, I don't do everything. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, uh, I, I live a much more normal life now, but it changed me. I took away, you know, several dozen strategies and hacks from that experience that I still do. Where do you get your ideas for all this? Like, do, are you constantly writing down ideas? Do they just kind of pop to you? Do people suggest things now that you're, you've done so many different experiments? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I am friends with James Altucher and, and we talk about it a lot, the importance of brainstorming. And I actually have, I try to carve out 15 minutes a day just to brainstorm ideas. Uh, so I will turn off all devices and uh, and just sit there with a, a notebook and a pen and just brainstorm. And it could be, could be book ideas, could be magazine articles, could be podcasts, could be, could just be random. Like, you know, I'll take a topic and just spit out ideas like, you know, uh, snowmen, I'll think, what can I do with snowmen? It could be a snow woman. It could be a snow transgender, <laughs> non-binary person. could be like, a, instead of the cigar or the pipe, you could have him vaping, you know, <laughs> cannabis. I don't know. So, uh, and I find that very useful as a practice. 98% of the ideas are terrible. Uh, as uh, you heard <laughs> with the snowman, but uh, but just uh, it, it's a numbers game. If you do it enough, there are going to be those two percent that really work. And uh, you know, the brain is a muscle, and creativity is a muscle. So, just doing it every day, I find super helpful. And then the trick is figuring out which ones are going to work. And and one 
tactic I have is that if I'm still remembering an idea from two weeks ago, uh, then I'm like, you know what, maybe this has some, uh, this has some legs. And, and I talk about it too. I talk about it and look at people's reactions because you can tell from their face uh, and if they engage, how interested they are. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Putting time aside for idea creation, writing it down, talking about it. Most of the ideas are terrible, but but that's how you come up with the few good ones. Yeah. Um, and and I, think, I think the gratitude journey that you went on uh, with coffee was a great idea. Um, and I want to get into to what you did and, and into the book. So you're, you just launched Thanks a Thousand. And, you know, essentially, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it, but but my take on it is, you know, gratitude is really mainstream. It's something that I think a lot of people are recognizing is important. I'm someone that writes down three things I'm grateful for in the morning, and that's maybe a standard practice. And uh, mm-hmm. you decide to take it as that's usual to, uh, you know, the nth degree to a crazy level um, <laughs> and trace back a thousand different people uh, that helped to make your morning cup of coffee. So I'd, I'd love to hear you maybe riff a little bit on, on what that experience was like. Yeah, and I really do. I mean, I'd always read that uh, the research is very clear that gratitude is one of the keys to happiness. There's a quote, uh, I think it was a, a Benedictine monk said, uh, you know, uh, being happy doesn't make you grateful. Being grateful makes you happy. And so I, I love that. And I for, for a couple of years, I had started this ritual before eating meals with my family where I would thank some of the people who helped with the meal. I, you know, I'd say thanks to the farmer for growing this tomato and thanks to the, uh, the truck driver who brought the tomatoes to the store. And my son, 10 years old at the time, he's like, you know, Dad, that's kind of half-assed. If you, uh, if you really care, you should go and thank these people in person. And I said, you know, that is an interesting idea, just, not just for a book, but for a life experience. So I did. I went around the world and I thanked a thousand people, uh, as many in person as I could, who helped make my cup of coffee. And, and it is, you know, once you realize how interconnected we are, that number could have been a million people. Because it's not just, you know, it's the guy who grows the, the coffee beans, but you have the trucker and the guy who made the road for the truck, uh, the guy who painted the yellow lines on the road so the trucker didn't get in an accident. It's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You realize everything is interconnected and it's very inspiring. And it actually, it makes you happier. It makes you more motivated, I think. I mean, just from, I know you, you focus on the business side of life uh, here. So uh, from a business angle, I think it's good because it uh, if you practice this, it, it reminds you how you're helping people, which is motivating it, it, and, and just write it writing or calling people to thank them uh, engages them so much they want to do more business with you. So it had all sorts of benefits, even though it was a huge pain in my ass because I had to go around the world. <laughs> but So I don't recommend doing it, but I do recommend everyone doing a, a sort of a, a shorter version of it, a much uh, tamer version, just trying to reach out and thank people who helped uh, all the people that we take for granted, which are hundreds, thousands of people. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's it's an interesting distinction to make here that you didn't just find te- a thousand people and write down their names or think to yourself, you know, I'm grateful for you. You picked up the phone or you went to them or you went to Columbia, for God's sake, to, to thank them. <laughs> And you know, it sounded like a lot of some of those phone conversations might have been awkward. Like no one's ever called me and just said, "Hey, thanks for some, you know, something random." Like you know, because they don't think of themselves as being someone that might help directly with your coffee if they're helping with the water supply or with the coffee, the Java sleeve or whatever it's called. All these random pieces that go into your cup. So how how are some of those conversations? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was sometimes awkward. It depended, you know, I would show up or make a cold call. And sometimes people were like, you know, what's going on? Is this a pyramid scheme? Why are you, uh, you know, what what are you selling? But I I would say 80% of the people I contacted were actually far more grateful than I anticipated for being thanked. Because as you say, you, you don't get it. Like, you know, I called... The woman who does the pest control for the coffee warehouse. And I said, you know, I, I know this sounds weird, but I want to thank you for keeping the insects out of my coffee. You know, that's that's a nice little uh, important part. And she was so happy. She's like, it made my day. And, you know, if I wanted, I'm sure I could get free pesticide for the rest of my life uh, because... There, there was actually a recent study that showed we totally underestimate how much people like being thanked. Um, and we think, oh, it's going to be awkward. But most of the time, people are so appreciative that it uh, it pays off such dividends. Yeah, and you, you talked about the six degrees of gratitude or kind of like the six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. I mean, I think it's very true that it's easy to say, I'm grateful for my cup of coffee or I'm grateful for this conversation. But how many things had to go right for that? Just that one simple thing in your coffee, and uh, you mentioned it's it's easy to think of the three or four things that go wrong in a day versus the thousand that have to go right just for one small task. So, has this changed your perspective on pretty much everything that happens and and made you a happier person? Do you feel happier? I do feel happy. You know, I'm still angst ridden and, uh, and, uh, you know, miserable most of the time, as most writers are. <laughs> but I'm certainly happier than I was. And it's, it's partly because of what you say. You realize, you know, I, for instance, if you, uh, I, I try this ritual where, you know, I, I try to verbally talk to myself and thank my, myself for the little things that go right that we take for granted. So I press the elevator button. I'm thankful the elevator comes. And, you know, I get in the elevator. I'm thankful it doesn't crash to the basement and break my collarbone. And that helps you realize just what you said. Thousands of things have to go right every day for you to even survive. And we take those for granted. And, and so it's a radical shift in perspective that I think will make you happier, it'll make you more productive and more motivated. Uh, you know, instead of seeing the world as, uh, you know, going through with a chip on your shoulder, it just makes you uh, realize, you know, it's amazing what what we can accomplish. Is there a situation throughout this process that stands out to you um, or a conversation or a person or group of people that stood out as, 
like really uh, kind of a game changer uh, in terms of who you spoke with during this? Well, I think there were a bunch of them. One of my favorite conversations, I'll give you a couple. One was with the guy, the woman who invented the uh, coffee cup sleeve, that little cardboard thing that goes around your coffee. It actually has a name. It's called a Zorf. And uh, they used to have them made of gold in ancient China, but now, of course, they're cardboard. And that was inspiring for a couple of reasons. First of all, that it started just as a family business. This guy, they were at, down on their luck. They had no money. The guy was dropping off his daughter at school, and he ordered a coffee to drive in, and it spilled on his lap. And he's like, damn, you know, it was too hot, so he dropped it. He's like, someone should invent something to take care of that. And he went home, and he he wrote on his notebook a little cardboard sleeve, and they sold it out of the back of their car. And uh, finally, they went to a coffee convention and sold it. And now, you know, millions and millions of people use it. It's saved so many fingers, including mine, from getting uncomfortably hot, which is a tiny thing, I know. But it's made my life just a little incrementally better. And what I love about it is that these were not uh, people in, you know... (laughs) Uh, General Electric R&D department. These were just, you know, two regular folks in Portland and they made a business. So it really made me think, you know, there is still room in America for these. You come up with an idea, you find a problem that's not being addressed and you address it and can actually make a living. And, you know, they make a very good living now with multiple employees. So I love that that story of, uh, of them. Uh, and the other one, which is in the same chapter, I have a whole chapter on like the cup and all the things that go into a cup. I talked to the guy who invented the lid for my coffee cup. And what I loved about it is the guy, you know, I had given about zero seconds of thought to my coffee cup lid, but this guy had so much passion about the lid. He was and he was so innovative. He was like the Elon Musk of coffee lids, maybe, you know, a little more stable. But he uh, he talked about how the lid often blocks the aroma, which is such a part of the coffee. So he widened the hole where the the odor comes out and he made the the mouth opening just right crescent angle so that the coffee would not spout up like it does in other lids. And it just made me realize there are these little masterpieces all around us that we take for granted. Uh, like I'm just looking right here on my desk, I have a lamp with a on-off switch. And the on-off switch is like got a little indentation that just perfectly fits my thumb. And, you know, I never appreciated that. So appreciating all the little masterpieces around us. Yeah, and and how about the passion that you're talking about with the guy with the lid, or all these different um, cat the the jobs that you probably didn't even know existed or never thought about existed, and people just have such a passion and they they do treat it like a masterpiece. I, I think that's very interesting for people that are in more uh, mainstream ish jobs like being an author or you know being in sales uh, to the people that make the lid or make the coffee sleeve that. You know, if you, whatever your, your passion is and your entrepreneurial side that you, you see a problem that you can solve, um, you know, it, it can actually make quite a big impact on people. Right. And I loved talking to this guy. I mean, he, 
he was, as I said, so passionate about it. He could have gone on all day. And, you know, I never thought I would be interested in the design of a coffee cup lid, but he spoke with such eloquence about it that, uh, you know, I, I was on the phone with him for an hour. As I say, he could have gone on for four or five. That was maybe a little much for me. But an hour on a coffee cup lid was far more than I ever expected because the intricacies, everything has its own fascinating problems and um and, and so once you get into it, it's interesting. And I, I've actually always considered writing a book, you know, take the, take the five most allegedly boring topics in the world, whatever they are, accounting, and, and try to get into it because I'm sure that once you get into accounting, there's so many fascinating uh, parts to it and problems and unintended consequences. So that is something I try to, keep in mind whenever I'm working on any project, you know, once you get into something, it may sound boring in the beginning, but you're going to find fascinating things in it. Yeah. And I think another really great point that you make early on in the book, and I think this is the first person that you thank, maybe I'm wrong on that, but the barista. Right. And you talk to her and you know, she says, you know, a lot of people don't even, you know, treat me like a person, they treat me like a, I'm paraphrasing, but treat me like a, a cash register or uh, or a device, like they don't really try to make a human connection. And you see it all the time. If you go into get coffee or you go into uh, the drugstore or wherever, people are just looking down on their phones. They, they, they say, yeah, I want a large black coffee and they don't even look up. Um, and just taking the time to make that human connection, that one had really a big impact on I me. Mean, it's like, hey man, put down the freaking phone when you're in public um you know talk to hey how's your day going oh great yeah my, mine's going great it takes you know two minutes and it probably actually makes quite a big impact on them and it makes you feel better too because you're you're actually interacting with another human being absolutely and i realized i'm i'm one of those people who just looks at the phone and barely looks up uh, makes eye contact but as you say it's not just polite and good for them, it really does, uh, you know, we are wired as humans for face-to-face -face contact. So when we lose that, I think we're unhappy. So it, there is something really fundamental about just taking two seconds to look them in the eye and smile and think of them as a human being who has, you know, a family and embarrassing high school memories and, and that can make such a difference to both of you. And, and again, since you are a business podcast, I think doing that with your clients, trying to see them as human beings instead of just, uh, you know, ATMs for you to get money out of, that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, that's, that's important. And have you taken some of these practices? I mean, you mentioned, uh, taking the gratitude example to something like, you know, the elevator working or something as small as that. But have you taken some of those other practices like saying thank you um, to people uh, and picking up the phone and, and things like that? Have you taken that to other aspects of your life? Yeah. Well, one thing I'm doing is uh, I decided that I am going to write a thousand thank you notes to my readers by hand, handwritten personalized thank you notes. So uh, if you go on my website, ajjacobs.com slash thanks, 
uh, there'll be a form and you can just fill out your name and address and anything you want me to say, any interest you have, like if you're a big uh, Patriots fan, I'll, uh, even though I, I don't love the Patriots, I'm, I'll wish you well <laughs> in your love of the Patriots. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I thought this was, it was nice. One, I think it's a good marketing gimmick. I'm hopeful it'll engage people and get me some press. But on another level, it, it reminds me, these are the people who support me. I wouldn't make a living without these people. So uh, I, I want to thank them and hopefully create some uh, loyalty. But also it'll make me feel good and remind me who I'm doing this for. Yeah, that's a cool idea. And there's something super powerful about the handwritten thank you. I've started to uh, to implement that this year um, in my in my sales job. and. Not everyone takes notice, but the people that do are actually very appreciative. And because it's so rare now to get actual mail that's not right. you know, packaged from Amazon, that you're actually, uh, it's, it's kind of the, the new wave. It's kind of coming back into popularity, I think. Exactly. It's so unusual that it cuts through the clutter, as you say. And who have you written thank you notes to, and what reactions have you gotten? So I do it, uh, so I do this podcast and the blog outside of. I have a full-time job in sales. So I'll do it to uh, customers and I'll do it to people that, uh, you know, if we had a, a meeting this week or if they've uh, gone out of their way or we've been working on a project um, and write them a letter, usually on like a Friday afternoon. Um, and mm. then I do one to all of the podcast guests and I'll send them a thank you for coming on the show. Oh, and, that's um, nice. So you can expect one coming to you. <laughs> I will be, I will appreciate it. And yeah, that's interesting because I've read a couple of books on appreciation marketing and how several business people, like the founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics, she wrote three handwritten thank you notes a day, and she credits that with building a billion-dollar business. So I do think it's powerful. And, uh, and just uh, in terms of getting a response, I think, one lesson I learned is the more specific you are, the better. So instead of just saying, you know, thank you for being my customer or thank you for doing business with me, you know, mention one really specific thing that you talked about in your conversation, you know, and say, thank you. I loved talking, uh, you know, about our mutual love of risotto at, uh, at this restaurant. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so, uh, that I find effective instead of a form really, you know, putting something personal in there. Yeah. And then that helps to spark a longer term relationship. So then, you know, next time you talk, it's like, Hey, I, you know, remember that restaurant we were talking about? I went there last month. I got mm. the mushroom risotto. It was so good. All this and versus just like kind of a, an upper level conversation. You, you get to know them a little bit better when you can show that you remember that. And then that's kind of like, that's your shtick. Exactly. I really think, yeah, that's golden. Something that, so that I look I'm forward picking to, up on. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to what detail you take out of our conversation for your thank you note. No pressure. Yeah, I'm going to have to write down a few ideas <laughs> and, and re-listen to this a few times and see how deep I can get. Exactly. There you go. Uh, you know, one thing that really sticks out to me uh, in doing the research and then also in having this conversation when you bring up that thank you note piece is that it's not just the, you have really interesting ideas, like not many people think of doing something like this, but of the people that do it, 
there's not that many that really follow through. And then that's what creates the compelling story. So when, you know, you're a writer, there's a million things to write about, but what makes you so compelling, what makes the story so compelling is that you're not just talking about, here's the history of coffee and here's how, you know, here's how it gets made and, and here's how it gets to your cup. There is part of that, but it's, I actually went out and I thanked a thousand people. I flew to Columbia. I met with all these people. I cold called people. You take the action. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that is, um, is a really good quality of yours and something that is worth highlighting for people that, you know, oh, I don't know what to write about or I don't know what business to do or I'm stuck at this point. I think doing something and getting outside the box or outside of your comfort zone and taking the action um, mm. opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Well, I have two thoughts on that. I mean, one is the, the uh, power of public accountability because yeah. I do like to announce what I'm doing. You know, I'll say to my friends, I'll put it on Facebook, I'm going to thank a thousand people. And then if I don't do it, if I don't follow through and write the book, it's kind of embarrassing. So uh, I, I actually like it. Some people are very secretive with their ideas. Uh, I'm the opposite. I think that it's motivating to announce it so that you are like, you know what, I got to do this or I'm going to look like an idiot. Uh, the second thing that occurs to me is a, is a lesson that I've learned in, in pretty much all of my projects, which is the uh, sort of the power of uh, delusional optimism and uh, the idea of you know, faking it, the faking it till you make it. Uh, there's a more elegant way to say that. I love this quote from the founder of Habitat for Humanity. He says, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And I'll just give you a quick example. When I was writing the book about health, you know, I woke up many mornings just despairing because it's such a huge topic and I'm no, not a doctor, uh, you know, I'm just a regular guy trying to explore this. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can finish, but what I did was I, I pretended as if I was confident and I would act as if I was confident. I would call the publisher and say, all right, well, when the book comes out, we're gonna have a big party and serve kale martinis and uh, you know, I, act, I I would set up interviews. So after a couple hours of acting, as if I was confident, my mind caught up with my actions, and I started to become more confident. And I had to do it every day, because um, you know, I, I would it would sort of go away by the morning. But I found it incredibly useful and powerful. And and I'd still do that with many things, not just confidence, but you know, trying to be a better person, a nicer person, pretend you're nice and eventually you'll become a little nicer, uh, all those things. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I had uh, a while ago, I had Rich Roll on the podcast and he's um, another author, but he, he does podcasting and like endurance races. And he says that uh, mood follows action. You know, mm. if you um, if you decide to, you can kind of put yourself in a good mood by acting nicer and you can force yourself to, smile and make jokes and then all of a sudden your shitty mood starts turning a little better or uh if you're lazy and sluggish if you start going on that run it feels bad for the first whatever 10 15 minutes then it actually starts feeling pretty good and you can kind of work your way versus just thinking about it and thinking like man i need to go for that run or man i mm. need to like 
I need to be in a better mood. I'm not feeling it today. You can kind of force your way into it by starting to act like it. So I think that's, and you know, showing gratitude is another way of doing that. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I agree with him. And I also think on a related note that the idea of mini goals. So it, you know, if you're trying to force yourself to go work out, often I'll just trick myself and be like, you know what, I'm just going to stand up from my from my desk chair. I'm, I'm not going to commit to doing anything more than that. I'm just going to make myself stand up. And then once you stand up, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to walk over to the treadmill. I don't have to. I don't have to get on, but I am going to walk over. And doing those mini goals, uh, I find very helpful instead of just a vague saying, oh, I got to work out today. Is that how you write the book? Because it's such a daunting task, not only do finding the thousand people, thanking them, and then writing about it in a way that's going to be digestible. Is that how you break down the book? Like how long does all that, that take? Absolutely. Yeah, I do it. You know, yeah. If, if you try to conceive of it as a whole book, you'll be paralyzed. But I think, all right, here are the 10 chapters I want to write. Now, what do I have to do? I'm going to thank the people who make the water, you know, who provide water since coffee is 98.8% water. So what are the five things I need to do? I need to make a list of, uh, you know, five people who work at the reservoir and contact them. I need to, you know, order this book on the history of water. So very concrete mini goals is absolutely the way I write. That's awesome. And I think um, as we look forward, you know, you, you took all the time you did this, um, you, you had to write the book, and now there's been some time lapse. Do you have any practical advice for someone that maybe uh, wants to show more gratitude in their life but doesn't want to go on a crazy venture like you did um, <laughs> of ways that you can maybe show this in, the, in your daily life or even real-life examples of how you've kind of scaled back your gratitude from that crazy amount to something that's more practical? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, you know, you don't have to go around the world even just uh, doing one or two small gestures like looking people in the eye or, or even writing a little note to the designer of a logo you love. Just, you know, it's pretty easy to find online. Uh, it'll take you three minutes and it'll make their week, I guarantee you. Uh, I also, you talked about writing down three things you're grateful for every day. I, I like that. I actually have a ritual to get asleep, uh, which is I, I go through the alphabet and I try to think of one thing for every letter that I'm grateful for. And uh, cool. Yeah, and it really works. You know, I've never ever gotten to Z. I usually fall asleep around N or P. Uh, so I find that very soothing because it gets you out of your mind. It gets you out of your, you know, I'm, when I'm having insomnia, it's because I'm so worried about this project or that project. Yeah, well, when you when you do that, let's say A is apple and, and you're thankful because you had an apple for as part of your lunch, do you just say apple and move on to B or do you go down this whole rabbit hole of all the apple and then you had to have the farmer and you had to have someone that planted the tree 20 years ago and like go down a rabbit hole? 
<laughs> Actually, no, I try to keep it going when I'm doing the alphabet. So just, yeah, an yeah. apple. And then, you know, the next would be uh, my sister's name is Beryl. I'm uh, thankful that I have a sister who's, who's nice and not an asshole. And, you know, all those. <laughs> and, uh, and you try to do different ones every night because that's the way to, you want to keep your brain, uh, you, you want to, you know, work at it a little because then that tires out the brain enough that you fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's actually a very a good exercise. I have not tried that, but I, I actually had some trouble sleeping last night and I'm mm -hmm. uh, thinking that I might try that tonight or, or next uh, time that happens because it is always, I mean, 97% of the time, the reason why I'm up in the middle of the night is something work-related and it's like, oh, I have, you know, there's this big thing due tomorrow or conversation I'm dreading and it's just like well if you just take a step back and think about all the things that are going right and that you know you're in the top whatever per, you know 1.1 percent of the world because you're living in America and you have this home and a bed and food and all this stuff you know you you kind of melt away all of yeah. the stress that you have absolutely it's all about perspective and actually that is Along the same lines, I find reading books about the history, big books about like Sapiens I loved and Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. So if you get down about the news, which can be very stressful and depressing, read Steven Pinker's Enlightenment Now and see just how much progress we've made and how even with our problems now, life is so much better than it was 200 years ago when it was like, you know, half the babies who were born died and you know yeah. it was uh surgery without anesthesia and it was uh it was sexist and racist it was just a horrible horrible world so nostalgia is a dangerous thing you know uh, uh and that i find allows me to to go about the day without curling up into a a fetal position because you know it, it has gotten better even with our current troubles yeah and just seeing people that have been through some really bad situations you know like uh like surgery without anesthesia or you know when people when there was a draft and everyone had like literally everyone had to go to uh to the army or into war when you were 18 or when you you know hundreds of years ago when just to get somewhere, like you had to walk, there weren't cars, there weren't mm. planes. And, you know, if you wanted to go to the other, to another state or you wanted to travel somewhere, like, you know, half of your tribe died because of mm. typhoid or something, you know, like, it's just like, well, why do, why do I care that there's a little bit of traffic? Like it, it's, it used to be so much more difficult. It's so easy now. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I don't always think like that, but when I do, it definitely helps to put things in perspective. And I just think that gratitude is people that can master it, and I'm far from mastering it, but people that can, I think, uh, have such a leg up in, in you know, business, oh, yeah. and relationships, and in, in all areas. For sure. I mean, you you might have heard of the concept of the hedonic treadmill, which I think is real. Like, you know, you get you get to a level of comfort and then you get used to it and you're looking for more. So it's, it's dangerous. Like, so always gratitude is a way to fight it and realize, you know what, I, I gotta be grateful for the business I do have and the clients I do have. Yeah. That's, it's so huge. And, um, 
I think that's the that's the takeaway for everyone listening here. I mean, clearly, if you want to be uh, a crazy human being like AJ Jacobs, <laughs> you can go on a quest and trace back the lineage of your uh, oatmeal this morning and and see you know how how that was created. Or you can just maybe take ten minutes uh, and spend it to write a few thank you notes, write down things you're grateful for, tell someone you're thankful and, and just be a little more appreciative and, and a little bit kinder. Um, mm -hmm. But any last words, AJ, I appreciate you coming on. I'm grateful that you're here uh, and, and talking, <laughs> um, but any last words from the book? And then maybe if you could let us know where we can find the book, find you on your, your site and, and uh, social media. Oh, well, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks, of course. I love talking to you, and I love listening to your show. I find it inspirational. I'm not a millennial, but uh, I know millennials, and uh, I think your message carries beyond just uh, that uh, that generation. Uh, I would say, yeah, for um, I'm, I'm AJ Jacobs, and my website is ajjacobs.com, and the book is called Thanks a Thousand, and it's available wherever books are sold and um, yeah I would say uh, in terms of a final message like uh, just uh, you asked at one point about ideas and and I do love coming up with ideas but uh, it's I think it's important to realize that that it's a numbers game and that most of my ideas and probably no offense most of your ideas suck uh, but you got to come up with enough, and you know, I, I once did a project on creativity, and you talk to the the experts, and they're like, you know, most of Mozart's ideas were were not good. Most of uh, Picasso's ideas were not good. It's it's a numbers game. So uh, you know, keep at it. Keep coming up with ideas uh, because some of them are going to be good. Yeah, and you, it's only the the number of good ones that count so you can have 10 trillion bad ones if you have a handful of good ideas and execution that's all you need yeah, exactly so true awesome well thank you aj i appreciate you coming on um everyone you can check as usual in the show notes uh check out his site check out the book um it's you know i read it and it not only uh helps you see the power of gratitude and helps you think differently about your coffee it's, it's actually a pretty digestible read too it's not a thousand page book you know it's it's uh definitely something that you can you can take down and and um and use in your daily life and just to see how much it takes to actually make the cup of coffee or multiple cups that you consume every day so aj thank you so much for coming on man well thank you tom really grateful all right guys thank you so much for listening to that episode of the millennial momentum podcast if you found any value there Head on over, millennialmomentum.net for the show notes. Show some love to me. Show some love to the people that come on the show. You can find me at Tommy Tahoe on Instagram and Twitter. Tag me. Tweet me. I'm active. Um, and give this show a, a review. Subscribe. It helps so much. Have a great day. I'll talk to you guys soon. Out.